I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Matthew Ames was 39 years old in 2012 when what started as a sore throat developed into streptococcal, resulting in toxic shock. The common bacteria Strep A had entered into his bloodstream and his body went into shutdown. At the time, there was great concern for Matthew as he was given 1% chance of survival. Matthew was placed into an induced coma and it was Matthew's wife, Diane, who needed to make the heart-wrenching decision to remove Matthew's four limbs in order to save his life. Through his incredible strength and the support around him, Matthew has come such a long way. He is one of very few quadruple amputees in Australia. The support for Matthew has come from many places. Matthew's beautiful wife, Diane, has provided an ever-constant loving presence and incredible support over the years. And their four wonderful children have also been there to support and love Matthew along the way. Matthew and Diane's extended family, many friends, the community around them and a wonderful team of medical specialists have also provided many levels of valuable support. Matthew reminds us all that a journey such as this is not entered into alone, that behind any story like his are remarkable people like Diane offering love, practical support and positive encouragement every step of the way. Matthew currently works in the not-for-profit sector in the areas of disability and health care, applying the skills and expertise gained previously working as an engineer in the energy sector. In these current roles, he also draws on the wisdom of his personal experience over the last nine years. In this first episode, Matthew shares the challenges, the breakthroughs and the insights that he has gained over the years as he has adjusted to this new reality. In the second episode, Matthew will speak about some of the practices that have sustained him over the years. He will speak about the value of gratitude, mindfulness, prayer and acceptance. Following times of deep reflection, Matthew has a perspective on life that is both refreshing and unique. We welcome Matthew Ames to the program today, and I trust that you too will witness his strength and grounded wisdom and his commitment towards making a difference in this world. This is part one of Matthew's story. Matthew, it is just wonderful to have you on our program today. Thank you so much for being with us. It's fantastic to be here. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Matthew, as you know, I first heard about your story through one of our great friends, Lisa and Stu. And after hearing about it and seeing your story on Sunday Night Program, I began to share it with teachers and staff groups on their retreat. Mm -hmm. And I was just so struck by your courage, uh, your positivity and your authenticity. And so today I'm just so honoured to be able to sit down with you for a chat to hear more about you, your beautiful family and your story. 
I might let our listeners know that we're Zooming from, from Wollongong today all the way up to Brisbane, which is in Queensland. I've got the polo neck jumper on and Matthew's got the T-shirt on, which might equate with the, the different states. Yeah, it's been pretty nice up here lately. Yeah. So it's Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Um, it's been nine years, Matthew, since you were first in hospital, and no doubt so much has happened. And I imagine there's been some, some really challenging moments and there's been some really great breakthroughs as well. So I wonder if we could start there. Um, Matthew, sure. yeah, what, what over this time, what, what have been some of, some of the challenges for you? Oh, look, I think um, there have been a number of different challenges that a uh, number of different levels, I should say. And yeah. I think for me, you know, I think in the in the early days when I first became ill, it was it was really a question of survival. So the challenges through that period were very much, um, you know, physical from the perspective of, you know, just learning how to breathe again and, you know, learning how to eat again and sit up and, you know, the very basic things that I never thought that I would sort of learn how to do again. Um, so the physical challenges were certainly um, there, yeah. but also, you know, the mental challenges, you know, my life was really just flipped upside down uh, and what I kind of thought was going to be my life really just, you know, changed pretty much overnight. Yes. And yes. having to adjust to that, um, you know, in a situation where, you know, got a young family and, um, you know, beautiful wife to support me, you know, actually, you know, moving through those challenges from a mental side were, have been, you know, probably more significant than, than the physical challenges, although yeah. my physical challenges are many because of the, you know, probably significant, you know, loss of all of my four limbs. Yes, yes. No, I can imagine both, but 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 that those mental ones would be would be profound, Matthew, and yeah. changing shape perhaps as the years go on, perhaps as well. Oh, definitely. I think you know what you know. A bit of an example. I remember being told in when I was in intensive care when I was uh, you know lying there that you know if I was to walk, then I'd probably walk like a, a pigeon. Oh, sorry, a, a penguin. And, uh, um, and, you know, really sort of falling into a state of kind of depression um, yeah. at that point, sort of really the impact of what has happened to me. Um, you know, and a number of years later, um, when I actually did start walking like a, um, a penguin, it was an ecstatic moment <laughs> to be able to uh, finally finally do that so you know uh, it really depends on your frame of reference and, yes um, you know where you're actually coming from yeah and, and time no doubt as well Matthew yeah know? being able to adjust over, over that time as well yeah yes and, and Matthew I'm sure I mean over that time some some really significant breakthroughs as well and I'm sure we could talk for a week to mark those as much as the challenges but but some of the breakthroughs what, what have been some of the big ones for you um i think there have been are there been multiple things that sort of stick into my stick in my mind over the last few years um you know from simple breakthroughs to you know when my son who was uh after i became uh ill really who was previously very close to me, really wouldn't come anywhere near me um, because of 
you know, the way that I looked and what had happened to me, you know, the breakthrough of when he kind of gave me the first big hug, you yeah. know, it was, um, you know, breakthroughs like that, you know, things that stick in my mind, you know, the time, uh, you know, when, you know, Diane was able to spend some time with me in the hospital, um, you know, watching a movie together, you know, that, you know, we were, um, you know, given that space to be able to do that, you know, some other, you know, uh, you know, things about when I was actually able to, you know, walk the kids to school for the first time um, after I got out of hospital. You know, some of the really big things, you know, obviously getting home from hospital after being, you know, in, in hospital for nine months was a really big transition for me. Mm. Um, you know, all the support that you have in the hospital from, um, you know, amazing people have helped me get to that. You know, over the years, just the multiple times that people have, helped me reach my milestones. That's probably the thing that sort of sticks in my mind is every milestone that I've achieved um, has not been because of me. It's been because of those people who have really been around me to help me get where I needed to go. Um, yeah. yeah, the thing that kind of sticks with me. You know, being able to drive again for the first time was, um, you know, many different people involved across, you know, um, across the world and across various states to try and pull something together that was going to work for me. Um, just to become a dad, taxi that I should be at this age. So, <laughs> you <Uber. laughs> run, run, run yeah. 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 Uh, so um, yeah, I think you know, there's just so many different things that have sort of come together. I've been very fortunate to have that support. Yeah. Matthew, I'm, I'm really struck by your words because there's, you know, things that you spoke, you speak about that, um, so many of us take for granted and yet I hear in what you say in terms of the hugs and being able to spend time and being able to, um, you know, drive your children to places and there's just such a sense of um, appreciation in your words, you know, appreciating those little things which are huge things. Yeah, they are. You know, when I became ill, you know, I was working a lot, probably too much and, you know, I knew in my mind that I needed to slow down. I knew that I was missing out on things. Um, and it's easy for me to say because the change was forced on me. I think the harder harder thing to ask myself is what would it have taken me to change and actually appreciate those things if this hadn't have happened to me because that's what most people are, sort of situation most people are in. And I don't know what the answer to that is, but I think... Um, um. Yeah, I think the gift for me has really been that ability to, you know, slow down, appreciate those things, spend more time with my family and friends. Because, you know, I think, I don't think anyone said as they're approaching sort of the end of their life, you know, no. I wish I'd, I wish I'd worked more. I no, think. Matthew, not at all. <laughs> so, no. so, so how do, how do we actually slow yeah. down and, you know, enjoy those things yeah. and each other? Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. You're spot on, Matthew. Matthew, you speak about the different people who supported you along the way. And I remember even from the program that so many of the specialists who work with you were really struck by uh, your commitment to healing, your commitment to physio and all those elements, you know, that they were very struck by you. I just wonder if you could share a little bit more about some of the things that really supported you through this time, whether it be, um, you know, certain uh, people or certain practices that, that seem to make a difference 
over the years and, and really supported you? I know that there'd be a lot of things, but perhaps just a few that really stand out. Yeah, I think it's probably, I mean, two things probably stand out for me. One is um, what I hold on to, you know, what my frame of mind. And then the other thing is, a, you know, the support network that is around me and maybe just touching on the first one to start with I think for me um, the thing that has probably helped me through all of you know the last nine years was were things that I was working on beforehand um, around you know having a sense of purpose um, in my life and I think for me you know the realization through this that you know, I wasn't necessarily defined by what I could and couldn't do. I was more defined by who I actually was and why I'm here on this planet. And um, a reflection that you know, I actually wrote a purpose before I became ill and then after a tortuous path, I ended up thinking about it again. Yes. And, and I realised that it fundamentally hadn't changed, you know, that I, I'm here to make the world a better place, Um it's just my pathway is very different than it used to be. And I think I have been extremely dogged in my determination for my purpose, but extraordinarily flexible in the way mm -hmm. that I might get there. Yes. Um, because you never kind of know what's going to happen. You never know uh you know, information you might receive or different pathways might pop up that are better. Somebody else might guide you in a different way. Yes. Um, and being open to that flexibility um, and those different ways of doing things, but being absolutely resolute in, you know, who I am yes. uh, through, the, through that as well. So I think that's really helped me through some extraordinarily wow. difficult and, and painful sort of scenarios that I've had to push through and pain. Um, I just continuously go to that point of, you know, why am I doing this um, and who am I? Yes. Um, and with that frame, then, you know, the thing that has really helped me get where I am has been, you know, those people around me, you know. Uh, primary in that is, you know, Diane, my wife. You know, I've been extraordinarily lucky to have her yeah. by my side through all of this and I... You know, I remember when I woke up from my coma and she told me what had happened to me. Um, very difficult to hear the words, but I, I really just had this overwhelming sense when she told me what had happened to me and that I'd lost my limbs because I didn't know until I woke up from my coma that you know, I'd lost all my limbs. But um, I just had this overwhelming sense as she was talking to me that everything was going to be okay. Yeah because I could just tell in her voice that that's what she was wanting for both of us. So, so that was, um, and it's been that way, you know, ever since. So, you know, it hasn't been either sailing for either of us. And I think to a certain degree in this scenario, you know, sometimes I feel a bit embarrassed because I'm the one, you know, that you're talking to, whereas, you know, it's impacted Di just as much as it's impacted me. Um, and, and just a huge shout out to everybody who is in that scenario caring for somebody who um, is in a vulnerable or difficult situation because you know they're, they're absolute heroes in my eyes. Yes. Um, and I've been very lucky to have 
Diane there all the way through. Um, you know, my family's been amazing. The kids have been um, fantastic. You know, having them very young when I got ill was probably a godsend because, you know, young children in particular are not fantastic about thinking about other people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they didn't... They didn't <laughs> they didn't. They didn't care if I was in pain or anything. They just wanted, you know, wanted dad. And I think that was a really great way of dragging me through. You know, I needed to think about them and what they needed as well. Yes. Um, uh, but they've, you know, they've, as they've grown, they've certainly, um, you know, been amazing support. You know, my parents, you know, my my sisters and my extended family have just been um, amazing. But just it's it's for me, it's kind of like an onion. Um, you know, I've got the people who are kind of close to me and around me, and, you know, friends and family. But behind them is another group of people who are supporting them and then another group of people who are supporting yes. them. So, it's you know, yeah, and, you know, there are so many people who have been involved in my care who, you know, I would have never met, um, you know, who have been instrumental as well. So, so it's been, you know, very much a village um, that's been sort of getting me through um, where I need to go. And, you know, I think we're very... I think I've been very fortunate through this process to actually experience the humanity that still exists within our community that yeah. I think sometimes we we it's don't see or we, yeah, yeah, yeah we don't we don't recognize and I think I think the challenge in in current environment where you know everybody's busy and moving fast is actually how the humanity is still there I think it's a question of how do we mobilise it for those people who are in need? Mm. You know, and I, and I think I've probably been fortunate. It's pretty obvious what I need. You know, if you don't have arms and legs, it's very visually clear mm. um, what my limitations are. I think it becomes more challenging when people who are in need where you don't necessarily see it. Yes. And how do we actually find out what people need and then how do we match that with the humanity that still obviously exists, and I think that's, I think that's the challenge because it's there. It's how do we actually connect it? Yes, it's, it's such a significant question, Matthew, mm -hmm. because as you say, for some it, it is seen, and for others it's not. Yeah, yeah. It, Matthew, it just reminds me. Um, Hugh Mackay wrote a book a few years ago, and he was looking at this idea of a good life, and he was interviewing. You may have read it or heard about it, but he interviewed thousands of different people, asking them and. And in the book, he was saying it's it's not about perfection and it's not about this um, sustained level of happiness because we can't live that or sustain it. He said it's two things. It's the quality of our relationships and doing something meaningful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I just hear those, those very same things in, in, in your words, very much so. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting. There's a 75-year-long Harvard study on happiness, um, which is uh, absolutely intriguing, where they took um, basically, I think, Harvard gra graduates um, and people from the street and they actually mapped them and now they're mapping their grandkids. Is that right? Um, and uh, it's, it's fascinating results and it's, it's exactly the same outcome. Yeah. You know, uh, that, you know, it's really about the quality of relationships and... You know, when you look at actually resilience research as well, it's it's very clear those people who will be successful at overcoming adversity in their life, the biggest single determinant is as to whether or not they'll get through it is the quality of relationships with those people who are close to them. So 
Yeah, I don't know how many times we need to get told. Yes, but... <laughs> I know, I know. We need the prompts. Slow, slow learners. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which yeah, makes yeah. me think, Matthew, there was one um, one of the clips that I saw. You drew on the words of Charles Darwin, and I was, I was really taken by it. You said you were quoting Charles Darwin saying, it's not the strongest or most intelligent who survive, but rather those who are able to adapt to change. I know you've touched on this, but... I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about um, some of those adaptations, some of those more significant adaptations sure. that you need to make. Uh, the thing that I absolutely love about that quote is that Charles Darwin actually didn't say it. It's an adaptation of his book. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love it? You get these quotes and you find out who actually said it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was about 100 years later um, and it was actually a, um, a geologist or geophysical engineer who was, um, who was actually... He was a, that was his interpretation of what Darwin said. Yeah, so, right. so it's an adaptation in of itself, which yeah. I think is just fantastic. I love it. Um, but yeah, I think it does uh, does capture it fairly well. And I think it, um, uh, you know, I've actually probably um, adapted it a little bit further that quote because for me, it's um, it's it's it relates to what I was talking about before around. I think those who are most resolute in their purpose um, and adaptable in its execution are the ones who will not only survive, but they will thrive. And I think for me, um, you know, you know, change is a constant. You see it all around us. Um, it's talked about ad, nauseous, or ad nauseum. And we also hear a lot about resilience, but I think, you know, the concept of uh, how we actually adaptable and how we flexible in, in actually uh, approaching what we need to approach um, yeah, and I can be fairly stubborn, um, and my wife will tell you that. So, um, uh, so, so flexibility doesn't always come easily, um, but I think it's it's absolutely critical um, when we think about you know whatever it is we're trying to achieve. Um, you know, you know, having accessing people around us, you know, getting those diverse opinions, working out you know there may be some different ways of doing things. Um, and you know, applying that those various sort of concepts of adaptation to, you know, working out how we're actually going to get where we're going to go. You know, it might be through just simply continuous, continuously looking for opportunities. You know, different things might happen. Um, you know, what we think might be the technology that's available. You know, changes over time. Um, you know, so for example, you know, I'm consistently looking for better functionality out of my arms in particular and technology is changing all of the time and I need to consist consistently go in and look at, okay, well, has the technology changed? Can I use it? You know, can I um, actually connect different things together that actually will get me where I want to go? Mm. Um, and there's that kind of constant review process as well. Thank you for joining our program today. I look forward to being with you next time as I share part two of Matthew's story. In this next episode, Matthew will speak about some of the practices that have sustained him over the years. He will speak about the value of gratitude, mindfulness, prayer and acceptance. As I leave you today, I draw on those powerful words Matthew shared in our conversation. He said, those who are most resolute in their purpose and adaptable in its execution are the ones who will not only survive, but will thrive. 
and this is my hope for you.